0: Hello, one, two. Hello there, everyone, TV. Okay. I hear you. Reaver 501 says just reboot and start over at 1130. Jeffrey Mara says, "I hear you, Rayo." Can anybody? Now we hear Joe R. So all of you out there, if you can hear me, um, I guess I guess all you, I guess all of you I can hear Joe Rayo, but Joe C. Still can't hear Joe C. From Joe R. All right, well, folks, guess what? It's the Joe Rayo show. It's going to be like all to Rayo this half hour.
1: Like hell, it is. <laughs> You got me back now.
0: Time to vamp Joe Rayo. All
1: right. I'm sorry, folks. This is one of those moments where I don't know what happened, but the audio settings got changed. It just took me a little while to figure it out. So I'll tell you what. I'm, And this is not making me happy because I got to then go back and edit all of this. So uh, let's do this. Let's start over. Okay. Okay.
0: Tony so, <laughs> M says, got Joe C and Joe R
1: Okay, yes. Um, here we go. Yeah, so let's start over. Since you didn't hear the open, and it was so brilliant. Uh,
0: it was... Oh, wait a minute. Hang on for a second.
1: Okay. Hold
0: on. Hi, everybody.
1: <laughs> <clears throat> and here we are live, where everything is spinning in, except for, in the tropics, and it ain't the alcohol that's doing it, okay? Um, so it's the Joe and Joe weather show. And we've got Paulette, we've got Sally, we have Tropical Depression 20, we have a dying Renee, and a new tropical wave that's going to become a depression in short order. So, uh, with uh, Mr. Rayo, with regards to uh, Paulette going to Bermuda, it's a very small target to hit Bermuda, so even though it gets uh, impacted by a lot of hurricanes, it's not too often uh, I think Gonzalo may have been the last one back a number of years ago, if I recall, it was the one one where the, the eye passed almost right over the island. Uh, but Paulette may do the same, and it's coming in from the southeast. And the other issue is, uh, and you'll uh, <laughs> the other issue is with her, with Sally in the Gulf of Mexico is the fact that they it is going to um, head toward southeast Louisiana. and it, it's kind of similar to Marco. But the only difference is that Marco ran into strong wind shear in the west in in the Gulf at at that time and fell apart before it reached the Louisiana coast. This is not going to happen this time around, and conditions are going to be favorable. There's a chance that this could strengthen fairly rapidly before landfall.
0: Right, and in fact, uh, uh, as we were noting before uh, we were so inconveniently interrupted uh, a few moments ago. Back with Laura, we we, uh, spoke about how that storm could dramatically intensify because the waters just off of the coastal plain of Louisiana are, at this time of the year, about as warm as they get. And so any kind of tropical cyclone that interacts with those waters and has the uh, favorability of not having to interact with any kind of uh, upper-level shear certainly could intensify very quickly uh, in a relatively short interval of time, and that may very well happen. Uh, With Sally. So, from, and and you think about it, Joe, with Laura, they had been looking at Laura for a number of days. Uh, When I say they, I'm talking about along the Gulf Coast, uh, wondering and waiting. And, you know, but with Sally, Sally just took shape over the last 48 hours. And now all of a sudden, not only are we dealing with a tropical cyclone, but we may be be dealing with uh, a potentially major tropical uh, weather system again for the the Louisiana coastline. So uh, it's something that they're going to have to get going and prepare for very, very quickly over the next day or two.
1: And this is another example, by the way, and we've had quite a few of them this season where the um, global weather models in the long range uh, did not pick up on this. And uh, I been saying all along when it comes to the tropics the weather mo- models don't always work very well either they way overdo it or sometimes they way underdo it or sometimes they completely ignore stuff that's out there so um the other thing that bothers me about sally is the fact that as you mentioned it just kind of came out of nowhere uh, as it developed uh, east of the florida coast and I, you always get a little nervous when something does that and then starts to really outperform any kind of expectations because it seems like it went from disturbed weather and it organized into a tropical depression very quickly. And now it's a tropical storm, of course, interacting with the landmass of Florida made it problematic in terms of Getting it to organize further and strengthen, but still held its own pretty well. And now in the open waters of Gulf, I noticed you know there's some 50 knot winds out at the uh, 45 and 50 mile an hour winds out at the buoys. Now this thing may may, may uh, wind up surprising some more before it before it's all before it's all said and done.
0: I was looking last night at the uh, at the uh, zero z run of the GFS, and it's not until again just before landfall in the wee hours of the morning on Tuesday that it shows signs of suddenly the, the isobars coming together really quickly. Really, right. right that, you know, and, and, ends, and,
1: and the NAM and shows ends, it even better.
0: Right. And, and, and that is the time when you've got to be thinking that, Oh my goodness, this thing is going to rev up again, literally at the last minute. And unfortunately batten down right on the, uh, right on the Louisiana coastline, the folks at new Orleans are going to have to uh, be very concerned about, uh, about Sally as she uh, moves in, our, in their direction over the next uh, 48 hours. Jeffrey
1: Mara hitting Super Chat today. Thank you very much, uh, Jeffrey, for doing that. And uh, we appreciate it greatly. I, I got the uh, full U.S. satellite, and we're going to go through all the uh, the latest uh, advisories which just came out from the uh, Hurricane Center. I'll we'll take it through one by one. But uh, you don't get to see a shot like this too often when you've got Uh, Two named storms on uh, this particular uh, satellite view, but uh, you can see Paulette on the far, on the center right, or right center actually, or maybe it's center right. It's on the far right. There it is. And the eye of Paulette is showing up now rather distinctly. And uh, it looks like it's actually gotten better organized this morning. And heading on a west-northwest to northwest course and looking as if it's going to go right right over Bermuda, at least from the standpoint of what the hurricane center is forecasting. And again, coming in from the southeast here is a bit more problematic than when it comes up from the southwest. Not that it's any picnic when it comes up from the southwest. It isn't. But again, uh, the ocean water temperatures here are probably warmer than they are uh, when you go closer, uh, when you go further to the west. And the uh, upper air winds when they come up from the southwest tend to be strong and that sometimes distorts these storms or or you create some uh, shearing. I don't know if you're going to have that this time around. So uh, we're going to watch what happens with this. It might get this too might wind up strengthening uh, stronger than modeled. Uh, Sally in the Gulf of Mexico, Joe, looks like it continues to organize. They're getting heavy rain along the west coast of Florida from this uh it's got to move out a little bit further offshore before the rains come to an end but uh this thing's going to this thing's looking like it's trying to wrap around uh, from the around the northeast to northwest side and and, uh, and and strengthening so we'll we'll look see if there's a recon out there as well
0: you know i'm now i'm, I'm beginning to wonder now now we we are watching that depression out over the uh, over the central atlantic that likely is going to become teddy right uh, before too long And I'm sure you noticed, Joe, that last night we had a rather unusual setup uh, scenario projected by the GFS where you you keep your eye on Teddy and you say to yourself, all right, let's see what Teddy does relative to the Atlantic seaboard. And then again, this is on the zero Z run of the GFS. All of a sudden, literally out of nowhere, off of the Carolina coastline around uh, the 22nd of September, it pops another another apparent tropical system. Again, literally- Right, I saw that. And now you say to yourself, well, wait a minute, what's, what's going on here? And Teddy, again, we're, we're already pre-naming it. Teddy suddenly becomes forgotten. This new system suddenly pops up out of nowhere, comes northward along the Atlantic coast, gives the tri-state area a glancing blow. It stays out at sea, becomes precariously close, and then kind of zooms away to the north and east. Now, on the 6D run- rather anxiously we we look to see whether or not the gfs did the same thing not quite uh it, it continues to show teddy uh, or potential teddy moving along and then all of a sudden this second system pops but it pops way out to the east behind teddy as it retreats away to the north and east so i really don't know what what the gfs well, is i'm, is I'm playing
1: catch up here with you so I, I just um i'm bringing it up so everybody can see what you're saying here so uh, because we'll come back to this too. And we'll, we'll roll it back. There's te- actually, Joe, it's got Teddy uh, as a hurricane here by Tuesday, if you believe right. the GFS on the 6C. Paulette has already m- is moving northeastward and moving out. And Paulette,
0: and Paulette does something weird, at least uh, on on the zero uh, zero run I saw. It goes north and east. You figure, okay, this thing is going to become an extra tropical storm and hit Europe somewhere. No. They drop the south, right. <clears throat> well, yeah.
1: <laughs> well, there's a, there's an upper low that's dropping down east of the Azores off the coast of Portugal. And that causes it gets caught in the northwest flow from that and drops southward. But meanwhile, Teddy, responding from the weakness that Paulette creates in the upper atmosphere, uh, starts to turn northwest and northward. And yeah, then you see that system that sort of pops up off the North Carolina coast and on and on it goes. I I go back to what I've been saying all last week. There's too many things out there spinning, and the mod- the models are having a horrendous time figuring out how these systems are all interacting with each other, and that's why I think you're seeing, you know, these uh, model switches back and forth. Uh, from run to run, one run is dynamic. One run has, uh, you know, the, you're thinking that there's going to be a threat for the East Coast. Another run, the next run says no. Uh, it, it goes, it, it stays uh, out to the East. And then you get these other tropical waves that uh, the models work on. So I think we just have to, this is really a day-to-day thing for us. So just kind of waiting for these, uh, the events to actually settle down so we can figure out just exactly what in the name of God is going to happen.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. So, and, uh, uh, yeah, there's just too much. There's you know, too much. These, it, they're, they're, these are supercomputers, folks. And uh, we often, you know, proclaim oh, these these things. They go through billions of calculations in a blink of an eye or whatever. But when there's just too much out there for them to, it, 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 it's hard for them to concentrate. It Let's, hurts. Say, on one particular system, they're trying to concentrate on like, four or five different potentials. <laughs> and again, it's just, you know, it's, it's, if the computers could talk, say, well, what do we, what do we concentrate on first that thing heading for Bermuda or that thing that's possibly developing out in the central Atlantic? And what right. about Renee? Will it die out completely? And Sally in that. Ah! I know it's a <laughs> lot.
1: It really is. By the way, back up, back on the U.S. loop. Cause I, I there's a couple of things I want to point out here that stand out. First off, in the for for our area in the Northeast and Mid Atlantic states in the short term, you know, we do have this cold front that is approaching and and going to be moving through. Uh, and there's a lot of clouds up in western New York and western Pennsylvania, and we're seeing some cloud cover that's starting to generate here uh, for the midday hours. But that front's going to fall apart. There's probably not going to be much to it as it goes by, and then we're going to get into the dry air behind it. But uh, I uh, going now to the the, uh, the fires, Joe, uh, looking at the, uh, the loop, the GOES loop, it's amazing the extent of the smoke that you can pick out. It actually, it's going to run down, of course, to California, and it's streaming up through uh, Arizona, New Mexico, Texas, and then running up uh, ahead of that cold front. I know I have it drawn here behind but because tr- the front is actually a little bit further back than I have it here on the satellite. But uh, the bottom line is that uh, you're seeing a lot of this West Coast fire smoke here uh, that is streaming up uh, to our West, and uh, it's really impressive. And there's also smoke that looks like it's coming over the top from the Pacific Northwest in the northern jet right along the Canadian border. And if I can... If you look carefully on the upper left, uh, that smoke actually goes well out into the Pacific Ocean. I'm a, it's astounding how dominating uh, the the, uh, the uh, smoke for the the wildfire smoke feature is across the across the U.S. There's a lot I of.
0: Smoke. I, I saw a very a, a surreal picture. Somebody took a, f- a photograph of uh, of uh, a Major League Baseball game, I believe, it was being held. Either in San Francisco, or... yeah, I think
1: uh, I saw the picture too. The San Francisco, yeah, the, yeah.
0: An empty, empty stadium, but a baseball game in progress, and the sky just like a flaming orange red because of all the dust. Ugh. Unbelievable.
1: I don't know what's twenty,
0: Joe. Twenty. No, I
1: know. I, I'm trying to. I'm trying to. I'm trying to figure out what's next. <laughs> yeah. I, it's got to be a blizzard in the Northeast in November. It has to be. That has to be what the outcome is out sure. of all of this.
0: I brought brought this up uh, a a while back or whatever like that. Uh, Dr. Klaus Jacob uh, of the uh, Earth Laboratory in Palisades, Lamont, who uh, I did this report with him about 10 years ago, saying, you know, more than 10 years ago, saying that we're overdue, the tri-state area is overdue for a Richter five and a half or six earthquake, and you know as well as I do, Joe, the infrastructure just was not built for a right. earthquake. So we, So now we're talking earthquakes. And it how, how about happen, a, it'll probably happen on on November third. Right.
1: Do uh, do we have a, a just a, I'm trying to recall. Are there any do, uh, uh, is, are there any dormant vol- volcanoes in the eastern part of the United States? No. Oh, too bad. Maybe one can come up from the ground hey. and, and form. What about <laughs>
0: What about that volcano in the in the Canary Islands somewhere? That supposedly, when it does erupt fully, it's going to cause right the,
1: the big the tidal, tidal wave because yeah,
0: that's going to move westward. And
1: I'm on the north shore in Long Island. I'll have beachfront property.
0: Uh-huh.
1: All right, so let's look at the. will uh, just bring up the radar. Uh,
0: you know, a friend of mine who I worked with for many years, a very respected reporter, and a a, a Murrow award-winning reporter, John Goff. Uh, he, he saw deep impact. Remember that movie, Deep Impact? Yes. Going into the Atlantic ocean and causing the giant tidal wave. And it, it enters Manhattan and it knocks down the statue of Liberty and all the skyscrapers. And John told me, he says, eh, if that happened, I wouldn't worry. He said, I live uptown. Exactly. Exactly.
1: <laughs> all right. Let's look at the radar. And we have, uh, these the, again, showers in Western New York, Western Pennsylvania. They are not going to make it to the coast. They should fall apart. This was supposed to be a, a wipeout Sunday with regards to showers, but uh, that, from from what we saw in the middle part of last week, and of course that that uh, wound up not happening. You're seeing some of the heavy rains from Tropical Storm Sally still right along the Florida west coast, where we have flash flood watches up. And I did have somewhere here. I have to find it. Uh, yeah, here we go. So I did actually st- have the uh, hourly obs. Uh, the winds along the coast were, were gusting over o- over uh, gale force uh, for a-, a while overnight and this morning. But we, we have a buoy that's just offshore that is uh, southeast at 36, gusting to 45. And uh, there's a 49-knot gust. It's 36 to 49 at buoy 42022 uh, out in the open waters of the Gulf. Uh, but again, moving away and mostly south-southeast winds here off of uh, over sub, uh, over uh, central and south Florida, but the heavy rains right along the immediate coast with the flash flooding, that is going to diminish again. And then we're going to shift our attention, of course, further north where you have the hurricane warnings that are up from Grand Isle, Louisiana, uh, all the way east to the uh, Alabama-Florida border and tropical uh, uh, tropical storm warnings on either side. And you are, um, this includes, by the way, the city of uh, New Orleans, Lake Pontchartrain, Biloxi, Gulfport. Uh, this is a problem going back to South, by the way, Joe, is the fact that coming in also from the Southeast for, for, for Southeast Louisiana is a huge deal uh, because that comes in uh, into where you could flood the waters of a storm surge will flood into Lake Pontchartrain. And it's kind of tricky trying to figure out whether that's going to happen or not. Uh, because of the, between the angle of approach, and then you have to figure out what's the deal with the tides. So uh, this is not, this is not an easy forecast for the hurricane center uh, to to deal with. Not at all.
0: Not at all, indeed. And uh, you you think, (laughs) I'm not sure what the, maybe you do because you were an intern a long time ago at the National Weather Service, but with so many tropical cyclones out there, and we always read the technical discussions. There's always a forecaster who's assigned to a particular tropical cyclone, hurricane, tropical system. So I wonder how this is all working out, you know, where the head of the National Hurricane Center says, all right, Charlie, you're, you're going to do Renee, Jim, you're going to do this storm. And that's, you know, it, it, it normally is not like that. But again, there's so many out there. Either actually happening or so many potentials, it must be a very very busy time down at. The oh North. yeah, I
1: mean it's rare to have it's rare to have four working names st- names storm systems, which we could very ha- well have by late today or tonight, uh, the way things are going. And there's still that other wave behind it that looks well organized. So you know, there we might wind up, uh, we, we may still have a four, we may have five on on the uh, on the scene in a day really or two. To-
0: I, I can't I could remember three. i, I I'm barely able to I mean, perceive four. I can't even remember five names going on at once. But I guess there's that possibility that we could see that before the end of this week.
1: Five. Yeah, I, I think th- briefly th- a couple of years ago we had uh, 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 Irma, uh, Jose, Katia and Lee and at the same time and then maria showed on the scene as well so i think there was a stretch there where there were four working storms and maybe even a brief time where there were five at the same time uh but yeah that is certainly a rare occurrence and i think the record is six uh, to have six working storms uh, at yeah. the, at the same time so that yeah that's 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 got to be a, a juggler's nightmare Pretty much. So, just uh, showing some of the model guidance this morning. By the way, on the intensity guidance with Hurricane Sa- with Tropical Storm Sally, you do have a number of the models now bringing this up to Category One uh, strength uh, before landfall, and they all show s- uh, varying amounts of, ra- of of strengthening in terms of the rate of strengthening. Some more, f- uh, some happening faster than others. Uh, at this point, I think it's it, I, for some reason I hark back to Hurricane Michael. We are conditions weren't ideal, there was 20 knots of constant shear through the whole thing, and somehow it managed to get to a Category 5. I'm not saying that this will, but um, I just think back to that late, uh, la- when that happened last year and how, how it wound up surprising forecasters who didn't think, including myself, not thinking that it would get much beyond a Category 1 or 2. Uh, the forecast tracks, Joe, are pretty tight on the model guidance, the hurricane model guidance. Almost all of them have it in some fashion in southeast Louisiana, but then you have various models taking right turns from there and some doing it faster than others. Uh, That's another thing here. This may wind up slowing down as it approaches the coastline because the upper air is suggesting that the the upper air, that ridge to the north that's lying east-west across the Gulf states, is not that strong. So the flow is not that strong, and we might wind up seeing this slow down uh, right before landfall.
0: Right, right. Yeah, it uh, as I said just a few moments ago, busy times over at the National Hurricane Center. All
1: right, so let's let's look at the. Um, we could do two at once here, so I'm going to bring up the Nam first, the new Nam, uh, to uh, take a look at how it handles both Sally and Paulette. And the um, I'll start with the upper air. The uh, NAM's range goes out just far enough to catch Paulette in the uh, in the picture, but uh, you'll you'll see here that uh, you have a shortwave trough that's running from uh, James Bay down into the Eastern Lakes, and that's our cold front that's going to be coming through. And this is what's left, by the way, of the. Uh, summer winter storm in the Rockies from last week, if you recall. But that upper that short wave's going pretty far to our north, which is the reason why we're not really seeing those showers holding together as they move across um, uh, New England, the northeast, and into the mid-Atlantic states. Uh, here's Paulette on the lower right. Here's the upper air representation of Sally. You have an upper high that is off the east coast to the north of Paulette. And that ridge Extends uh, into you have know, that little nose poking into northern Mississippi, Louisiana, and um and southern Arkansas. So you have Sally kind of riding the periphery of that ridge, and you have Paulette that's trying to crash that upper high, uh, pushing up to the north. The high is attempting to cradle it, but Paulette is uh, being is able to. Kind of cut into that high, and that high actually weakens as we go through the day today. So that creates the weakness, and you see Paulette going pretty much right over the island of Bermuda by uh, by 4 or 5 a.m. Meanwhile, Sally is also now in a state of weakness because the shortwave trough in the north has pulled out, and of course the ridge is gone. Uh, It's not that it's gone; it's very weak here. You can't. It's it's very hard to find. This is. Higher pressure aloft to the to the north of it, but you don't have that strong ridge like we just started with when you saw on the map that finger that was poking back into Arkansas and Mississippi. So it, it lends the argument that you could wind up seeing Sally slow down quite a bit as it heads as it gets closer to the coast of southeast Louisiana, which is what the nam is hinting at. And then notice that at least from the standpoint of the upper air. It starts to get really wound up very tight here as it moves into southeast Louisiana. Meanwhile, you see Paulette, of course, now responding to the short wave, moving off uh, through New England and southeastern Canada, turns, uh, takes a sharp right turn and moves on out to the northeast. I think Paulette's pretty much going to play according to plan. It's uh, Sally at this point that I think uh, warrants attention. And uh, Joe, when you look at the surface map here, uh, you uh, the other thing is that with the respect to um, Sally, that the uh, the NAM model is showing some rather steady strengthening up until about midday to, uh, tomorrow. It gets down to about a 993, and then suddenly after that, right. we're going into Tuesday morning, this is where it drops down into the low 970s. Right, and we saw with Laura where low 9. Uh, Low and middle 970s the way, on the guidance wound up being down about 940.
0: By the way, the, the Weather Channel just uh, called up Jim Cantore and said, you're going to Louisiana. <laughs> okay. He probably just, you know, said, Jim, no question about it. Get out and get your plane. We got your plane reservations. It, it is amazing, Joe. And, and we pointed this out just a little while ago, a few moments ago, how dramatically Sally just intensifies in those final hours before landfall early Tuesday morning near the uh, Louisiana and Mississippi coastline. So- and
1: that's something you, when you're dealing with tropical systems, you, the reality is when, when you catch them, they're at their worst or potentially can be at their worst in terms of potential if they're in the intensification mode when they make landfall. That's that's when you can have some really destructive wind gusts occurring. It might be a Category 1, let's say, might be a Category 1 or a Category 2 technically, but if it's in that strengthening phase before landfall, this is where you wind up seeing uh, some um, odd things happening with regards to very uh, heavy squalls sweeping inland with uh, unusually high wind gusts. And the uh, upper air, by the way, when we look at what's going on in the eastern Gulf of Mexico, uh, Sally is, uh, we're looking at the wind flow in, in, at 200 millibars or roughly, you know, getting up about 30,000 feet. And what you would look for, for a storm to uh, strengthen is the fact that it has a uh, an upper high over it. Uh, hurricanes are warm core systems. They are very strong at the bottom of the atmosphere, but very weak at the top. So if there's a high up at the higher levels of the atmosphere, so winds actually diminish with height uh, as opposed to a cold core storm where it's the other way around. Uh, But but, uh, the light winds in the upper atmosphere, the lack of wind shear is what uh, allows these storms to strengthen uh, along with the very, very warm water. But at the At at this level, when you look at the light, the light-colored lines here, okay, that those are actually the winds in the upper atmosphere, up at thirty thousand feet, and the the L that you see printed, that's the where it says that's where the center of the surface low is. That there, that's an upper high. That's a strong anticyclone that is sitting right over it, and it holds it till it gets to landfall. You see the strong upper air winds at that at, at, at that are. Further northwest up uh, into the Gulf States and and heading up into the Middle Mississippi Valley, you have very strong southwesterly winds up at that level of the atmosphere. But that's when it's well inland. So it looks like this has a very good outflow pattern. It, it's not it's not an ideal outflow pattern for uh, a super strengthening, but it's 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 certainly enough here where we could wind up seeing this outperform. And in the meantime, uh, you can follow. Paulette along, uh, that's the 982 in the uh, over to the right as it heads towards Bermuda, and it too has an upper air anticyclone over it, and it carries it pretty much uh, all the way along. So it, it's holding its own, and there's actually also, by the way, uh, to the west of Paulette we have a, you know, a bit a trough right there, and this is going to mean this is why Paulette's going to respond to that trough and make the uh, the sharp right turn. So you're looking at some pretty, pretty supportive upper air conditions. And just a, a quick check, Joe, with respect to the other two systems out in the tropics. Renee's going to disappear because Renee's just kind of lying in between all of this stuff going on, and the other systems are just so much more dominant. But <clears throat> looking at the uh, the longer range uh, with respect to the upper air in the Atlantic, you still have with the next system. Which, by the way, the GFS already has. Again, by Tuesday or Wednesday, by Tuesday, it looks like it has either a strong tropical storm or even a minimal hurricane, with regards to what's going to be um, be Teddy here. There's uh, Monday. Yeah, I mean, it's already down to a 977 by Tuesday morning. But uh, you're looking at fairly p- uh, ideal uh, conditions for for development for these systems. Uh, with the uh, light wind shear conditions and good outflow setting up uh, in the tropical Atlantic. So there's no reason to think that things won't stop spinning anytime
0: soon. Nope. Nope. Well, I mean, we just, what, what are we, uh, two days ago, three days ago was the traditional peak of the hurricane season. And we know that things uh, continue at a rather uh, rigorous or uh, uh, rather uh vigorous pace yes. through, through at least the 10th of October, at least, before things start winding <coughs> on down, or showed th- sh- signs of winding on down based on long-time long-term climatological records. Robust, that was the word I was looking for. Robust. Things, remain, con- things will continue to be robust in the tropical waters for at least another uh, three or four weeks before we see the beginnings of any kind of decline. And of course, by that time, certainly we'll be into the Greek alphabet. And half-kiddingly, Joe, I said the way things have been going lately, what happens if we use up all the letters in the Greek alphabet?
1: <laughs> well, well, we got a ways to do. That. That's not going to happen. <clears throat> that that isn't going to happen. Oh, uh, but I, it, sure. it, you know, <laughs> I know it is 2020. Yeah. Uh, we do have a uh, reconnaissance mission right now in progress into Sally, and it's just flying. Uh, it, it, it's just offshore the Florida coast. The, re, the plane is flying toward the center and there's a long stretch of winds here of 45 to 50 knots running, uh, actually even going inland. The gales, uh, at least at flight level, Joe, from uh, inland of the Florida coast and then running northwestward out into the Gulf of Mexico. And then uh, now the plane is heading southward. So it's probably going to start getting, uh, getting to a point where it'll be able to close off a center. But uh, at least on the northern part of this, we're seeing 45 to 50-knot winds at flight level. And the lowest pressure that they reported is, and I'm just looking here on the graphic, so you got uh, 40 to 45 knots, so some, a little, some winds above 45 knots, some surface winds being reported up to almost 45 knots where, from where the plane is now. And it looks like they just bottomed a pressure somewhere around a thousand millibars. So we've seen the. Uh, they they may not actually be where the where where the the center is yet. So we just have to give it a little bit more time. And checking to see if there's anything into Paulette. Uh, probably not. There was one earlier. And we'll see if it loads up trying to load up mission three into Paulette. Uh, there is a plane now on the way, uh, to, um, to Paulette. The plane at the moment is a 28, three and 63, two. So it's not quite there yet, but, uh, definitely, uh, on its way. And we'll have to just check this out. Uh, won't well, we won't probably get anything more definitive from this during the show today, but, uh, we, um, we'll, we'll, uh, update this afternoon on the various platforms that uh, I update on. Okay, so um, let's look at the Hurricane Center's forecast for Sally. Forecast to become a hurricane by tomorrow afternoon, 27 84.6. Top winds are 50 miles an hour, moving west-northwest at 13. This is, of course, a good time, by the way, Joe, to remind everybody to that when it comes to decisions, Uh, that you might have to make regarding tropical storms and hurricanes. Uh, You should uh, rely on your local officials so you can get information from them, as well as uh, the National Weather Service and the National Hurricane Center. You can find both of those at uh, NOAA.gov for the Weather Service and nhc.noAA.gov for the National Hurricane Center's website. Uh, But the forecast, Joe, from the Hurricane Center pretty much follows model. uh, They kind of take consensus here. Uh, taking sort of a middle-of-a-road approach. Again, what happens when it gets to southeast Louisiana or approaches southeast Louisiana? Are we going to see this rapidly strengthened? I think that's the big question here.
0: Well, I, it could be the big question. If uh, if I had uh, money and if there was some place where you can put money down on uh, uh, the strengthening uh, of of a tropical system, I'd put, I'd put a few bucks down on this thing really winding up and uh i would not be surprised joe at all if uh before making landfall sally gets all the way up to a category two i i'll say that right here and now and that would be again in the dawn hours And why do these things of late why do all of these coming in at night at night you know i I don't understand this it seems like every time we we are facing a a significant or a possible severe threat from a tropical system, wherever it may make landfall, it's always at night. And usually in the wee hours of the morning, pre-dawn hours. Why? I I don't know. I don't
1: know either. It's, 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 it, it, I I was, I, 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 I had thought about that last night. Uh, it looked why this one too, is going to make landfall, uh, during the early morning hours. You get a stretch of them sometimes that, uh, that make landfall at high tide. Uh, I, I can think of instances when we had nor'easters and it just all of a sudden seemed like every time there was a full moon, there was a nor'easter around. Then you get into stretches where that doesn't happen. So I, I guess it's just a roll of the dice, really.
0: You just you just reminded me of something, and that is is that the moon is going to be approaching new phase, and in fact, not this month, but next month, the new moon is going to coincide with perigee, its closest point to the Earth, which means this full moon, the full moon before, probably is going to have uh, abnormally higher than normal tides anyway, even without a tropical system. So this is not the thing that you want to see if you're in the path of a tropical storm, is an impending new moon, an impending closer than normal new moon, as we're going to see during this upcoming week. When's the new moon? Uh, I believe off the top of my head, I think it's either Wednesday or Thursday of this week.
1: Because right, I want to I want to I fish it. I, I, I have I know we're worried about hurricanes and every and everything, but I'm also worried. I'm also thinking about taking a day, day to go fishing. So the new moon would help me. Uh, here's Paulette's track f- fairly straightforward uh, as a hurricane moves over Bermuda to overnight and then makes the sharp right turn. I still think, Joe, that we're probably going to see rough surf around here uh, for uh, developing uh, maybe later tomorrow and, and into Tuesday, uh, given the height of the north and also the fact that you've got the hurricane that's out over the coastal waters. So we might have some some rough surf uh, over along the New England coast to down into the mid-Atlantic states. I, I, I don't think it'll be anything too crazy, but it will be uh, on the rough side.
0: New moon is Thursday.
1: Okay, so I better I got I, I got to plan some uh, I got I got to plan to fish that and uh, Renee by the way is what's left of it and in a lot of ways by the way Renee has probably had uh, the bigger impact on the systems in the Atlantic in terms of their track just by being there because it create created various weaknesses and strengths in, in the upper pattern across the, the subtropical Atlantic that impacted the track of these systems, but uh, it is forecast to become a remnant low with the, everything, all the, the systems that are out there surrounding it, just basically overpowered this thing. And we saw it come off as a strong tropical wave off the African coast. And it, and it looked like, uh, at least from this, I, I didn't agree with the Hurricane Center's initial forecast of strengthening it to a hurricane. Um, and that was their their, their view of it. Uh, I just thought there was just too much going on. And as it turned out, it really never, ever got much beyond minimal tropical storm. And now, of course, it is forecast to become a remnant low and just basic and, and, and disappear. So I get uh, from the standpoint of uh, historical perspective, Mr. Rayo, it uh, it did its job of uh, getting a name out of the way.
0: Right.
1: All right. So I'm going to go to the new GFS soon. Um, it's coming out. But before we go to the new one, I want to go back to the prior GFS run so we could take a look at the upper air pattern across the United States and what is going to be happening with regards to our regular weather. Okay. So this week, Mr. Rayo, it looks like we have, of course, we have this cold front that's coming through today and leaving the showers behind to our west. And you still have, as we look at the upper flow, at least through this week, into next weekend, this northwest flow from Canada sending shortwave after shortwave after shortwave. So <clears throat> we've got some nice cool weather coming up this week. I saw the low, the forecast lows on uh, Tuesday morning from um, the Hudson Valley in Point South, a lot of 40s in there.
0: Yes, yes. And uh, this is going to be a very autumnal, a very delightful stretch of weather uh, from. Uh, later tomorrow and tomorrow night, right through Tuesday and Wednesday, and even perhaps Thursday as well. By the way, Joe, the new information on uh, at least Paulette has just come out uh, from the National Hurricane Center, and they are projecting that Paulette is going to be almost directly over Bermuda at uh, 12Z tomorrow morning, packing sustained winds near the center. Of 105 miles per hour
1: all right so they, they they bring it up to a strong two i think there's an outside chance there's an outside chance it, it could get a little bit stronger than that uh bermuda's they're a hearty bunch there in bermuda it was they've gotten hit with hurricanes when i remember when they got hit with gonzalo and the damage was extensive and then like two weeks later you looked at uh, you saw a video from bermuda and it looked everything was fixed It was as if nothing had happened. I mean, they they do such a good job with regards to uh, um, when they they get impacted with hurricanes, they get to work right afterward and just just fix everything.
0: Uh, And they're they're headlining, by the way, uh, Sally expected to strengthen tonight and Monday, life-threatening storm surge, hurricane force winds, heavy rain expected along portions of the northern Gulf Coast starting on Monday. And I can see from the discussion that they are projecting by 48 hours. Well, at 48 hours, they've got 78, 75 mile per hour winds. They've got the peak winds at 36 hours. This would be for tomorrow night, Monday night at 90 miles an hour. And then they have it inland by 48 hours. Right. But if, if that be the case, if it's inland at 48 hours or hour time, eight o'clock in the morning Tuesday, seven o'clock in the morning central time, and it's already 90 miles per hour before making landfall, you gotta expect that uh, think that it may even go to a hundred or, or more. and And think about this, Joe. You talk about a busy hurricane center. They're going to have to contend with landfall or island passage of, uh, of Paulette tomorrow morning. and then less than 24 hours later, they have to concentrate on uh, on Sally making landfall along the Gulf Coast of the United States. Wow.
1: Yeah, they're getting paid straight time, too. <laughs> 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 I'm sure there's some overtime in there. Uh, just looking at the other upper pattern uh, over the next couple of weeks, I don't really see too much change. Uh, the, um, the, the flow from Canada, it, it's a very progressive flow, everything moving pretty quickly from west to east. The tropical systems seem to recurve in these short waves. Now, of course, that all depends on timing might be there on one run, not in the next. And we've already talked about just the fact that there's so many storms out there makes the models go uh, extra crazy. But uh, Joe, I, I really don't see too much change here going forward in the longer term. You still have a, a flow from Canada that wants to send down the start a shortwave troughs and, and cooler air masses that should be coming into the East uh, uh, from time to time uh, with brief warmups in between. So, Maybe this time around we're actually experiencing a natural transition into autumn, as opposed to these uh, years where we've seen these uh, extensions of summer right through the month of October and even into the month of November. Maybe and, and last year we had it, <clears throat> we had that stretch into early October before it broke. But looks like maybe this year we're not going to have that 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 uh, kind of uh, uh, of uh, warm weather extension of summer.
0: And to go along with what you've just said, the uh, three to four week experimental uh, prog for uh, probability of temperature and and, uh, precipitation has the eastern third of the country, save for the Florida peninsula, most of the Florida peninsula, but the eastern third of the country for the most part, below normal from the 26th of September through the 5th of October. And they also have near or below normal temperatures so it, it, uh, it might uh, near to below normal uh, precipitation. So who knows, as we move into the latter part of this month, we might actually experience what you just said, Joe, a, a rather coolish and a rather dry spell of weather for uh, our part of the country, which is something that we haven't really seen.
1: Right. And, and that's, that's a good point with respect to being dry, because... Uh, when a northwest flow from Canada, you really don't have much to work with as far as um, access to moisture is concerned. So our front today obviously falls apart. The next front, the the the, uh, the high builds in, and the uh, the next that high goes out on Tuesday night Wednesday. The next front approaches late on Thursday. Now the only thing for Thursday was weather front. Is uh, the question would be whether some of the remnant uh, rain from uh, Sally, which the GFS and a couple of the other models because try to squeeze up to the north and east. Even if this happens, to me, it doesn't look like anything impactful. And in fact, if you look literally at the GFS for New England down to northern Virginia, that little stripe of showers is just a, a weak line of showers with the cold front and there some patches of rain that move through the Southeast and uh, Georgia, South Carolina, Tennessee, North Carolina, uh, and then move out. So I don't think this is going to have any real impact. So other than maybe the chance of a shower late on Thursday, another high builds in after that. And we get back into this sort of Northeast onshore flow moisture in the Carolinas out to the Northeast where the frontal boundary is. But for the Northern mid Atlantic to Southern New England, it's still really going to be about northwest flow and cold fronts aloft, and we don't see. There's nothing major here, nothing, uh, through the 16 days. Uh, but mm-hmm. there are tropical systems running around, and that's the and- that's the that's the one uh, variable that we're we we have to figure we have to
0: uh, wait to figure out. And Teddy, uh, or likely will, will become Teddy in the next 24 hours. The latest information on that has it as a 110 mile per hour. Uh, hurricane, a major hurricane by Friday morning of next week of this upcoming. Week. All
1: right, so um, we may still hit the majors numbers. Let's uh, just just let me give a big thanks to Scott Briller, who's not feeling well, by the way. The chairman spent way too much time having a good time uh, in uh, in South Jersey. So he uh, is not feeling well. So we wish him the best. And for hitting super chat today, and also Jeffrey Mara hitting super chat earlier. And once again, let me just apologize for what went on in the beginning. I must have had a Windows update done while I was sleeping. And whenever every time any time that happens, my uh, it resets all my all, my settings, my audio settings. Uh, and I should have checked beforehand, but. When it works fine every day, I forget to check, and, well, there you go. And so, a,
0: when, when it does a Windows Update show, doesn't it just reset and you have to – when you turn on your – look at your computer screen, you have to start or, or reboot from the beginning? No,
1: mine on Windows 10, mine is uh, – it, it's set to kind of do – I have mine set to do updates when I'm asleep at night.
0: Uh-huh.
1: So when I come back, the computer is back on and everything is – the way it was, the way I left it before I went to bed. Right. And it really doesn't change. The only thing, but what it does do is for some, for whatever reason, it goes in and changes your audio settings. It might go in and change your video settings. uh, And well, guess what? I need my audio settings and I need my video settings to be just right. So that the Joe and Joe weather show can go on without a hitch, which it didn't quite do today. So uh, anyway, uh, this will also be a show, by the way, will also be available as a podcast once I'm done editing out the first 10 minutes <laughs>
0: and,
1: and then we'll put it up on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts and uh, various other places. By the way, uh, we're going to I'll bring up some uh, Briller Jeopardy because he did leave me one uh, September 12th. Uh, 27 years ago on September 12th, uh, Raymond Burr passed away. And as everybody knows, I'm a big Perry Mason fan. So I just wanted to. Uh,
0: oh, the color episode up. is the color episode. The one lone color episode of Perry Mason is going to air tomorrow night at 1130. That's the one with Victor Borno, who seems to be a perennial guest on the Perry Mason show. Yes. He be, he, he will be part of that tomorrow night.
1: Okay. Yeah, I'm not a, and, I, and I'm not a big fan of the color episode. I, I just think it, it changes the whole dynamic of the show, seeing it in color. Right. It didn't work for me. It really didn't. All right, so you ready for Brilla Jeopardy? Yes. What is the state closest to Africa?
0: The state closest to Africa? Yes. I'd have to say North Carolina. Well, wait a minute. <laughs> Hold on. It's either North Carolina or Maine. I'm trying to remember now the latitude, the longitude of Cape Hatteras versus the longitude of Eastport. I'm going to say Maine. Maine is correct. The angle of the dangle
1: here is very important. So, (laughs) uh, okay. What color of rose signifies love at first sight?
0: What color of rose? What
1: color rose? The rose flower. What color rose signifies love at first sight? sight.
0: I would guess love at first sight would mean something virginal, so I'll say a white rose.
1: No, lavender. Okay. Lavender? Now, what color And that was
0: the official color of our Alma Mater, Joe. Yes. At City college was lavender. Yes.
1: So, now, yeah. what color rose uh, would signify uh, the first fight is a uh, is a different story. You could say red for blood, uh uh-huh. but <laughs> but or any other darker color.
0: Does white uh, rose stand for anything except tea? <laughs> yeah.
1: By the way, just speaking of roses, uh, when I was out in Ohio back a couple of months ago, visiting my daughter near Ohio State, there's a park there in Columbus, Ohio. I forgot the name of this park, Joe, but they all the, the what they're known for is their rose garden, which is huge. Okay, and mm-hmm. they have virtually every single variety of rose I think that exists planted in this sort of big gigantic garden. It's quite a sight. I'll, I I got some pictures. I took a bunch of pictures of it and I caught it past the peak and it still was just magnificent. So if you're ever in Columbus, Ohio, you got to go visit this park that's got the Rose Garden. And the last question is, what age did, uh, how old was Elvis Presley when he either left this earth or went up to a uh an, an attic apartment in Ipsilanti, Michigan where he's been ever since.
0: I think he's I think he was 43? 42. 42.
1: 42. Okay. I make yeah. reference to the fact that there are people who think that Elvis did not die but just kind of went into seclusion. But well,
0: and, and I always
1: made great. the and I always made the joke that he yeah, he took an apartment a studio apartment in an attic in in Ipsilanti, Michigan and that's where that's where he is.
0: Whoever played Elvis in the movie Forrest Gump, I mean that was a you talk about a doppelganger. That was a dead on, at least Elvis in the 1950s. Do you remember that particular scene in Forrest Gump?
1: Yes. Oh, Uh, very much so. Yeah, very very much. Brandon uh, Brandon Doherty hit super chat. Uh, Thank you very much, Brandon. (coughs) Joe and I appreciate it. Rosendo Benitez asks, "What do we think of the apparently there was a La Nina advisory?" uh, that was Between issued 10, yeah. over the last couple of days. I didn't see, I didn't read it, Joe. Did you read it?
0: No, I didn't read it, but I mean, it's, we've been on a La Nina watch for, it seems like forever. So you figured that they were going to eventually pull the trigger and, and, and proclaim, uh, an advisory, a La Nina advisory. And, and they've done that. And, uh, I guess we'll see where that will, where that will all go. Um,
1: yeah, I, look. The hurricane season from the onset has reflected the fact that we have we're in some kind of La Niña because whenever we have La Niña, the uh, Atlantic basin uh, is very a- is a- very active, and I think the fact probably that we have it the La Niña strengthening coinc- timing out and coinciding with the progression of hurricane season from you know from when the first storms first named storms popped up in May, I think I think those the timing of the two of them is the reason why we were having, that we're almost to the Greek alphabet and we're not even out of the month of September.
0: Right. Right.
1: By the way, uh, I didn't mention this, but of course the formations of Paulette, Renee and Sally all were the earliest, you know, that, that record where every storm this year is the earliest we've ever seen the, uh, the A storm, the B storm, whatever, wherever it started. <clears throat> that just continues. So, if we wind up with Teddy, it'll be the earliest T storm. And if we put uh, Vicky and Wilfred on the map uh, in the next uh, week or two, because I think Wilma was an October storm. The, the only time I remember us getting to a W. So, um, that that's going to be we're going to be on the Greek alphabet before the before the month of September is out. The way we're going.
0: Absolutely. You want your Briller, uh, Briller uh, Jeopardy questions here? Yes, or? by all means. Okay. Here's here's the first one. It has nothing to do with the weather. Where it where was the very first White Castle restaurant located?
1: <clears throat> where was the first White Castle located? <clears throat> I don't know. I, I don't know. It was um, I don't know the origins of White Castle. Whether it was a New York company or uh, from some other part of the country. Uh, I'm, you know, I'm just, I'm going to say Boston. I don't know why, but I'm going to say Boston.
0: You're as far away. Well, not as far away, but you're very far away. Wichita, Kansas.
1: Okay. Yeah. And see, I'm, I, I'm not, I was never, I think I've had White Castles twice in my life.
0: Well, I, I could remember there was a, there was a, a restaurant called White Tower. Do you remember White Tower restaurants? No. Around For maybe about a blink of an eye. No. They even had a theme song. I used to hear their commercials. I think on CBS News Radio eighty eight. God knows how many years ago. But uh, anyway, that's that's number one. Question number two is what? That ve- you might know this, Joe, being the chef that you are. What vegetable is used to thicken gumbo? Or,
1: yeah. Oh my God! You know I forgot. Oh Jesus. What vegetable is used to thicken gumbo? I'm drawing a blank. I I, I I'm I'm drawing a blank. I was gonna think of some maybe some kind of squash, like a butternut squash or something, but I don't think that's the right answer. So it's okra. Oh, okra. Oh, sure. Okay, I love fried okra. Used to mm-hmm. used to eat it all the time when I was down south.
0: And I wa- I used to watch her all the time in the afternoon. Okra, okra, Winfrey.
1: Oh, go away. Next. <laughs>
0: Question three: What color are Mickey Mouse's shorts?
1: Oh, I have no. Do I I'm not looking at his? i I'm not, I'm not looking at his shorts, for God's sake. I have no do idea. You realize,
0: do you realize that Mickey Mickey Mouse wears shorts? Donald Duck does not wear shorts. He just wears a little top. You
1: know, I right? don't underst- I I don't look for these things, so I I, I don't know. Brown,
0: <laughs> red,
1: red. Okay.
0: And the final and the final one.
1: Not doing well today.
0: No, what what year did the Titanic sink?
1: Well, that was um, that was 1912.
0: Right. And incidentally, in in my zip code, I you know how you have the last you have your zip code a hyphen and then four more numbers. It's your zip code plus right. four. My I mine and I always remember this. I just tell people I said just remember the year the Titanic sunk. My four numbers were indeed 1912. Oh, very good. Well, hmm. it was always
1: the old joke when I worked for NBC years ago, when NBC was in the, uh, uh, many years ago, when NBC was basically in the toilet of the three networks, uh, the running joke there was what was, the, what's the difference between NBC and the Titanic? Right. The Titanic and, had entertainment.
0: And entertainment. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So... Um,
1: as we, Joe and I, rearrange the deck chairs here on the Joe and Joe Weather Show, again, a reminder that uh, this show is available as a podcast on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you call podcasts your home. So just to search for Joe and Joe Weather Show using the word and, and not the appersand, okay?
0: Right. And, and, believe, it, and believe it or not, after we shut, shut down here, I'm going to proceed to the National Weather Association annual conference. Now, Joe, I, I'd be interested to know from our viewers what they think about this. Every three years, I attend a conference, chiefly because that's the way I would get my uh, TV seal recertified. Right. And, I, and I've, I've gone to various different locales over the years, to uh, to St. Louis, to Louisville, to um, Salt Lake City this year, of course, no conference physically, but virtually. You do it, yeah. And, and people and and you may and, and people have asked a couple of people have asked "So why are you bothering?" Because if it's it's for recertification of your television seal, he said. But Joe, you're not in television anymore, so why are you even bothering to do that? But I do it partially out of out of force of habit, I guess, and partially because. You know, I hold on. Yeah, I figure. Well, if I still have a valid seal, this will be the last time I think. For
1: All right. I, I did the same. thing. I mean, I, 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 uh, I have my AMS seal and I, I renewed it, my broadcast seal, even though um, I'm not on TV anymore either. Uh, also, little- also I out think- of force of habit. Although I think we could, I think we could use those seals here. By the way, we can. I think we could display them on our YouTube show
0: we could i think and also there another methodology would be that i could say hold it put a put a put a stop on this because i'm not doing anything but we can start up again when i do get a position but like i said and also it's a, it's 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 a bargain this year i mean there are a lot of interesting lectures and and things that you could partake in right. now online but this time i just all i have to do now this year is just pay the registration fee i didn't have to worry about 5 days at a hotel I didn't have to worry about flying somewhere, right? Uh, so you know, it's it, it's, the, it's, it's it's a different,
1: it's a new world. It's it's a, it's a new up. world. It's and a new world. It's a new world that would have would have shown up maybe five or ten years from now, but because of the pandemic, it it, it all got compressed in about five weeks. Correct, basically so, what we've seen.
0: And if anybody out there is interested, anybody who's in in broadcasting and wants uh, a a uh, long time, TV weathercaster slash broadcast meteorologist who is still accredited who will still have his seal of approval of approval Joe uh you can get in contact with me and I'm, I'm doing this I'm doing this again probably for the last time I'm figuring that in 2023 well I'll already be on Medicare <laughs> and, I'll, and I'll already be collecting Social Security so
1: you're gonna need a walker to get to the screen
0: <laughs> well, the funniest thing I ever saw was years ago Joe Witty we're still trying to get to. Joe, if you're watching now. Answer your please, darn email, for Christ's sake. We want you, Joe, on on Joe and Joe. If Joe Eddie is watching us right now, I, I remember a long time ago when he was on Channel 2. He was the afternoon-evening meteorologist there. He, he somehow either br- sprained or broke his leg. Still, the trooper that Joe was, he came on, did his weather on crutches. And while Jim Jensen was, like, laughing his head off, he had... At the end of one crutch, an arrow, and he's using the arrow on the crutch to point out the various weather systems. And I said, "This is this is the greatest so, yeah, yeah, weathercast so I've ever uh, seen in my entire so life." So the
1: lesson here is, if you can do it, if you can get on your on crutches to do a weathercast, you certainly can answer an email so that you can be on our show because it doesn't our require you to stand up.
0: Yes, indeed.
1: <laughs> so get off the shined, Mister Winnie. We want you here. So. Uh, <laughs> Oh boy. It would be great. Oh yeah. It would be
0: it would be great to have Joe Whitty. And if somehow you could manage to talk Alan Casper into coming on, although Alan is well, on camera well, and well, you know, we had good. we
1: had the we had the flip phone
0: conversation. But we would there. have think about this now. We would have the two people who many of us back in the day, we all grew up with watching Joe Whitty and Alan Casper on Channel Two. And we'd have them together again here on the Joe and Joe show. Well, you know what? Let me see if I can I, you I, work have a, on, I have you work a on Casper I'll work on witty all right
1: yeah. I have a feeling that he's he's not gonna be too receptive because again the problem is uh, technology but um, let me let me see what I can manage here okay oh. uh, but we first things first is we need him to answer his email so now that we've shamed him on air or at least now that now that I've shamed him on air maybe he will will um, you know uh, rise and, and 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 click on his little email bo- inbox and, and respond to uh, respond to you so we can set up a time by the way let me just remind uh, a couple folks tomorrow night I know we usually go on at seven o'clock but I tomorrow night I'm doing a virtual library appearance at the Bayport Blue, uh, Blue point library at, at seven o'clock at least I think I am they haven't told me that they've canceled it. Uh, so uh, what what uh, we're gonna do is I'm gonna do that, and then when it's done, we'll go to the Joe and Joe show. Uh, so it probably probably will be closer to eight thirty or nine o'clock tomorrow, uh, Eastern P.M. Eastern time. So just uh, uh, just bear that in mind. So as I'm-
0: long as we're done by nine thirty, because at nine thirty tomorrow night on MeTV, they're going to show the very first episode of Green Acres. Okay and i and the reason why I, I i that's to me a special thing is that on that very first episode the moderator of what's my line and a very very well known newscaster in his own right john David, yeah, right they did what what what's called a mockumentary of the story about i these- i do
1: remember that episode yes the documentary style rich,
0: this rich this rich attorney or this lawyer from manhattan who threw it all away to buy the Haney place in Hooterville and become a farmer. And it is a very funny episode and they're, they're running it uh, tomorrow night on it. So it's a big night on television. Yes. Show. It's, uh, it's, Green Ac- it's the first Green Acres tomorrow night followed two hours later by the Perry Mason in living color.
1: Yes, yes. Jason Barry asks, can you watch the library presentation? I think what you have to do is uh, go to the Bayport Blue Point Library website and that's in Bayport, Blue Point, New York, okay? And I think you need to register there uh, to um, to watch it. Uh, I, I haven't figured out yet, although I'm sure there's probably a way that I can simulcast it. I don't know that I'm going to be able to do that and figure it out in time for tomorrow. So if you want to watch it or be part of this, uh, you can go to the uh, Bayport uh, Blue Point Library and... Uh, Cause they're going to do it on zoom. So I guess what they do is they give everybody a zoom link. All right. right. So, um,
0: and another name, by the way, that people have been bringing up on the chat board to go along with Joe and Alan, Pat Pagano. Although I've only spoken to Pat Pagano maybe twice in my entire life. Although he's been a mainstay on WALK radio on Long Island, Joe, for God knows how many years.
1: Well, we could work on these people. And by the way, it's not just emails that, um, that they don't respond to. I mean, I've I've direct messaged many folks who I either never hear back from, or when I do hear back from them, it's weeks later. And I understand people seem to think that that it's easy to get to set up guests, and it really isn't, uh, because everyone has got lives to live. I'm not being critical of the fact that they're not answering, or maybe I am, I don't know. Uh, But (laughs) but the bottom line is, it's not easy to get guests because. Everybody's got things to do, and, you know, you have to sort of mesh it into your schedule, and, it's, and it's, it's, you know, it's tough, and I
0: get that. The late, great Ralph Kiner, when he had Kiner's Corner, they actually used to, uh, in the early days of Kiner's Corner, they would offer the, uh, the ball player to appear on his show after the game, $50. And then, then they went. Then they they decided. Well, we to,
1: ain't doing that. We're not giving fifty dollars, okay? Know, this is just, I could say you could give. No, we're not doing that.
0: No. And then they then they offered something different than money. They offered like one time, Ralph said we gave them steak knives, a steak knife set. And then one of the ballplayers actually came back to Ralph and said the steak knife that you gave me broke. We're get <laughs> a, <of> a replacement. <laughs> and like Ralph said, you're on your own with that one. I don't I don't supply broke. Uh, replacements for broken state nights.
1: Yeah, that's probably back at, those were the days where they used to ro- drive their own cars to the, to, to the stadium, right. Uh, right? You know, they didn't have services picking them up exactly. and taking them there. All right, listen, let's wrap it up. So we we can uh, enjoy the rest of this decent day. Thanks everybody for being here again tomorrow. night. probably figure eight 30 or nine o'clock Eastern time for the Joe and Joe weather show. And it will only last as long as uh, 9.30 because uh, somebody has to watch the first episode of Green Acres, okay?